Welcome to Liberty in America, Past, Present, and Future with Dr. Bill Joby. Doc is a historian and a reenactor. On this show, you'll hear his thoughts about our personal liberties from their earliest recorded beginnings. You'll also be transported back to the 1750s to relive the life of Colonel George Washington and his adventures during the French and Indian War. Let's get started. Here's Dr. Bill Choby. Okay, welcome back. Dr. Bill Choby. we're talking about liberty in America, past, present, and future. Um, when might is right, we live in bondage. When right is might, we live in freedom. Right becomes wrong, we live in chaos until might or right becomes the law. And then we have freedom or bondage. So this uh, today we're going to talk about a, a whole new creation of the federal government. Now, mind you that we had three branches of government, the president, the executive, the judicial, the courts, and legislative, meaning the Senate and the, the Congress, House of Representatives. Now, as the nation grew, particularly after the Civil War, there were many issues that uh, came about because of technology, uh, and the most prominent one, we had there was the railroad, but we had the telegraph, uh, so people could communicate and um, uh, do business across state lines, which brought up whenever controversy was brought up between two states, it did become a federal jurisdiction, and courts then became involved. The one that was most notable was between the farmers and selling their grain uh through by by putting it on railroads and passing it through states, the the conflict was that uh, somebody wasn't getting a fair deal, whether it's a railroad or whether it's a farmers, and so Congress was asked to step in on it. It ended up before the courts, and in 1887, the courts recommended that Congress establish an agency to handle interstate commerce. So that commission was created in uh, 1887. And what it did was, uh, uh, in order to solve these problems between the farmers and the railroads, it was given executive, judicial, and legislative authority. Legislative meaning in terms of of, uh, regulations. The uh, judicial meaning in terms of administrative judges. And the executive through the bureaucrats. Now, as this uh, model got going... And Congress found itself that it was more free to do things, uh, you know, that they felt were necessary at the time. This was sort of like a fire and forget kind of uh, deal. Once they were set up, these people were just uh, out there doing whatever they wanted to do, as long as they stayed within the confines of the statute or the statute, meaning the law that was passed. Uh, Nobody would bother with them if they stayed within the boundaries of the law. And at first, it was a great idea. It solved a lot of problems, and it seemed to be a workable way to do things. So after that, then we had other agencies starting to be created that, again, required a certain amount of expertise that Congress didn't have. Gradually, these agencies uh, increased uh, their demand for budgeting. And uh, with that, then the the, uh, the federal uh, funds uh, that flowed to these things grew with it as almost a necessary kind of uh, mandatory fixed cost for the federal government. As time went on, of course, they kept finding new and new, more and inventive ways to recreate themselves uh, because uh, people are, who are ambitious in their positions of power, of course, always want to expand that influence and uh, 
make it uh, make a difference under their name or make a mark for their name, if you will. So from 1887, then other agencies started to pop up, and whenever the um, the creation of the uh, the federal income tax came along, of course, the IRS was born, and we know just how much the IRS has grown and what they're doing. And, and recently, the request to hire uh, 87,000 new agents uh, is a sign of just how uh, powerful and how expansive these these uh, agencies can grow. Now. So what happens when somebody is ahead of an agency and really screws up? Can they be fired? Well, unfortunately not, because civil service laws are very clear. Uh, they, these bureaucrats are very highly protected, and they're so smug in what they do that they pretty much have become the fourth branch of government that's untouchable. And we see that uh, today whenever some of the, the major screw-ups that we have by our federal agencies that nobody's ever held accountable. They're, they're locked into uh, cushy jobs. They're very well paid, paid better than most Americans. And uh, they, they uh, have really wonderful perks, uh, retirement plans, et cetera. And they've come to a point where they are so secure that uh, many of them believe that they are the permanent government. And congressmen and senators and presidents just come and go, and they just go about doing their business of uh, running the country. That sounds good. And it sounds like you shouldn't have politicians meddling in the affairs of, say, the post office, uh, which is an agency that uh, part of this, too. And for many reasons, that has uh, holds a lot of credibility. But also, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And without any kind of uh, really oversight of any kind of value on these bureaucracies, they run amok. The, uh, as uh, we talked about uh since the beginning, it has been uh, businesses that were regulated by these agencies found that if they found favor, they could uh, benefit uh, in the business world. So there, the moves were on to lobby these agencies, uh, again, out of sight of the public, out of sight of Congress. And if they found a way to get appointments or people in civil service to go and to um, become part of uh the bureaucracy itself, then they had a foot in the door that others didn't have. And uh, consequently, uh, it became a situation where it was like the fox guarding the hen house. And uh, those those who were had an inside track on uh, what was going on with the agencies uh, handsomely uh, profited by that association. Now, as time goes on, uh, through the... Uh, the expansion of government after World War One, particularly under the guise of FDR, who wanted everything to be, you know, federalized, everything from different companies. Uh, during the World War Two, he did things that were uh, unconstitutional, stacking the court, as I previously mentioned, and of course, um, violating the the confidence that people had in him by running for office four times and being elected four times. He died in the fourth. But from that time of the creation of the Interstate Commerce Commission, it then has become a favorable or favorite uh, tool for presidents to push their agenda uh, outside of the constraint of Congress. Now, we look at the example of the EPA and and what environmental regulations have done to the freedom of people today. It's it's rather shocking, but it's been a, a gradual growth. But you look at the what uh, the, the president now is doing about trying to shut down fossil fuel-fired uh, uh, electric plants. That's all comes out of environmental stuff. 
you know, environmental laws, uh, Department of Environmental uh, Environmental Protection Agency was that was created some 30, 40 years ago. I do remember the very first Earth Day to come on that we had. Uh, I was in college at the time, and uh, we were. I was studying in, in what was called field biology, which later on became called environmental sciences. And I have uh, essentially a minor in environmental sciences. Going back to the get-go, when it was conservation, it wasn't uh, all this craziness about uh, theories of, of atmospheric change and, and carbon, uh, the damage of carbon does. But back at that time, uh, we had uh, one of our class projects was to show how you could shop ecologically. And, uh, of course, being college kids, college sophomores, we were uh, we came up with a, a brilliant solution to buy our beer in kegs rather than cans. And so <laughs> that's how serious it was taken at the time. But there was some of the, the more... Uh, far out kinds of theories about the oncoming of the nuclear winter or or the old the ice age coming back and then as time went on and that didn't happen and those uh, climate profits sort of fell apart then they'd come up with another theory and then it was global warming for a while and the earth was going to be swamped by this melting uh, uh arctic and and subarctic or Antarctic uh, ice caps, and everybody's going to die. New York City's going to be underwater. In fact, I think I believe Barack Obama was out there saying that that was going to happen. And, you know, and, and years ago, I was at uh, I was up in Massachusetts, and I happened to stop by uh, where Plymouth was, the original colonies of the Mayflower. And there it was by the sea. It was this big rock with 1620 written on it. And that was supposed to be the Plymouth Rock. And, of course, surrounded by a little cage so people couldn't deface it. But at that time, when I looked at it, it seemed like it was right by the sea. Or, I'm sorry, right by the ocean, just as it had been in 1620. And I've seen recent photographs here in 2024 or 2023 that uh, show that sea level is the same. So here we have all these prognosticators about how the ice is going to melt and everybody's going to die and all this global warming stuff. It really has nothing to do with uh, the reality of the climate. But we have an EPA that believes, along with some of these crazies, that they have to go and regulate everything often. And, you know, backroom deals in the middle of, of thousands of pages of uh, nonsense and, or regulatory ease that was never even seen by any of the Congress people. And the next thing you know, they're in your backyard saying that a puddle that stays there is, is a wetland and therefore they have jurisdiction. This is what the age of bureaucracy has created so it's it's one that we must fully understand that uh, the only way we're going to preserve our freedom is not through so much the elections of uh, of people that we that agree with or we agree with in Congress, but we also have to push our Congress people, our senators and presidents to rein in the bureaucrats because they are petty tyrants with more power than a lot of Congress people have, and they execute that power in a, in a progressive basis. Um, with uh, their you know, their whole uh, permanent bureaucracy, uh, often called the swamp, and that's uh, eroding our our freedoms a little bit at a time. Now, was this uh, something that happened overnight? No, and uh, I believe it. If we look at the words of James Madison, who warned about this, uh, you know, almost two hundred fifty years ago, and he wrote, and I will quote. 
I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of the freedoms of the people by the gradual and silent encroachments of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. Here it is, folks. Here it is. So when you think about liberty, freedom, we got to think about the bureaucrats, uh, not only at the federal level, but these bureaucracies are at the state level. They're at the local level. They call them authority, municipal authorities in Pennsylvania. They're bureaucracies. They they often just do what they want to do. And unless you're aware of the uh, enabling legislation that created them and the constraints that the legislators have put on them, the boundaries of sorts, uh, the, that in which uh, fence in their federal or state or local power, unless you understand where those boundaries are, they will just walk right over you. So I've hoping this uh, this has been enlightening to you today. Um, and think about this when you're looking at that bill from your municipal authority or from some state agency, uh, whether it be the environmental protection of something or the IRS or the, the State Department of Revenue. You know, all these things come from the bureaucrats who enjoy a pretty good life uh, with very high income, nice perks and bennies and wonderful retirement plans. And you hear very little from them because they're really well protected thanks to our uh, our governments uh, failing to do their job of oversight. Uh, instead of bringing these people in, they're out there raising money for campaigns. They ought to get back to work and bring this country under control. Again, uh, when might is right, we live in bondage. When right is might, we live in freedom. And when right becomes wrong, we live in chaos until either right or might becomes in power. And we have a choice between bondage and freedom. So with that thought, I'm going to let you go here. Uh, you can look up uh, about my book, more on this, uh, drbillchobybooks.com. Uh, the podcast will be there, as well as ways to order the, the uh, my books directly from my publisher. And leave comments if you choose. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>